Welcome to Resolutions, a podcast about dispute resolution and prevention. For those of you listening, this podcast is brought to you by the ABA section of Dispute Resolution to increase the avenues where we can connect. Our hosts serve as interlocutors, engaging in conversations with members of the dispute resolution community about topics of interest in the field. My name is Caroline Stauffer, and I'm one of your hosts. Today, I'm speaking with Jeff Kachavin and Genesis Fisher about what it takes to start your mediation practice. It's an entrepreneurial love story you won't want to miss. Welcome, Jeff and Genesis. We are so happy to have you on ABA Resolutions and to learn how we can start our own mediation practice. Thank you so much for for having us, Caroline. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yes, thank you. Really looking forward to contributing to the good work of the section. Excellent. So we are very interested to learn about ADR practices, how to start your business, what does it look like for a practitioner? And you had an excellent presentation in one of our committees to talk about those things. And, you know, can you give us a brief background of what led you to starting your own practice? Sure. Jeff, do you want to start this one? Okay. What led me to start the practice, Caroline, was I had been doing commercial litigation for the first 15 years of my practice. And I loved it at first, and then I fell out of love with it, and it fell out of love with me. And I realized my career was not really going where I wanted it to go. I was looking for something else. And mediation, this was in the mid to late 1990s, was emerging as something that you could actually do for a living as a full-time career, particularly if you had not been a retired judge. And I was there at the right time, the right place. Mediation was close enough to lawyering that I felt I wasn't just throwing away and discarding everything on which I had been working for so many years. But it was far enough away from being a litigator that I felt I actually was doing something different. And that's basically what led me to decide that this was the risk. That was the risk I should take. And it's paid off beautifully for me. One of the best decisions I ever made. Well, that, that's an excellent love story that you have there, Jeff. Falling out of love, that is something hard to, to discover. You know, a, a huge realization of, is this for me? Is this a hobby? What is this? And, you know, falling in love with starting an own business could be very scary. So I, it's, it is kind of like a love story, isn't it? Well, it was quite something to say I'm not practicing law anymore. I remember one particularly awkward, shall we say, conversation with my mother, where my mother asked me <laughs> what I was doing and whether I was still really a lawyer and whether I might draft a will for one of her friends if one of her friends needed a will. And of course, I'd never drafted a will before. <laughs> but I said, yeah, mom, sure. I, I, I suppose I'm still licensed. I could draft a, a will if I had to. My mother asked me a couple of other questions. And then she said, well, Jeff, your dad and I really don't understand what you're doing or why you're doing it. But we're very proud of you. Oh, well, that's a, that's the love story we all want to hear. 
the so true sweet. love of parents. Yeah. Well, I, that's excellent. Genesis, you know, moving to your love story, uh, maybe, maybe not so much a love story, but let us know what, what was that journey for you? Sure, sure. And so I have, uh, obviously, Jeff and I ended up in, in parallel paths, but um, started out very differently. So uh, my background is in civil rights and criminal defense. And after practicing law for a number of years, um, I also knew that I needed to change. And I thought that I would go into policy work, um, but it ended up that I just literally happened upon mediation by helping four people figure out a dispute like on the street. And that's honestly how I got into mediation. I was like, wait a minute, why am I fighting in court every day when I can help people resolve their their disputes, maybe even without involving the system? And so my focus at the time, I was thinking about, okay, what do I want to 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 create a focus in? And I realized that I was really drawn to workplace disputes and family disputes um, and helping people, as I said, like avoid the system, the legal system. And I started a business because I didn't see a lot of options to do it in other ways. Uh, so it's not as if I went in thinking like, hey, I want to be an entrepreneur. I had only I had never <laughs> even worked at a for profit ever. It was all like nonprofits and civil rights organizations. I had no history with business, no history with billing for my time ever. Um, so it was certainly uh, a heavy lift, but I'm really happy that I did it. I love it. Right. You know, Genesis, I never thought I'd have my own business either. When I was in law school, there was the placement office and the placement office back in those days, they give you this book of law firms that were coming for on-campus interviewing. It was thicker than the Manhattan phone book in those days. It was like going shopping in a candy store. This law firm. That All right, Jeff. You know, you know, I know what you're talking about. But when you talk at the Manhattan phone book, please. I mean, I mean, I think it's just any phone book. What is a phone book for, yeah, for those? You know, <laughs> very. You, you can just you can just say okay, boomer, and be done with it. You're, you're a lot of stuff like that from me. But uh, you know, I thought that you'd I'd just go to work in a law firm and I'd be in a law firm uh, for my whole life, because that's what I thought lawyers did. And the entrepreneurial path was never something that I thought I would take. And uh, it's been wonderful. And I still learn a lot every day. And there's, there's a lot to learn for people who have been in law firms or other kinds of businesses where they really haven't had management responsibilities and don't really understand the economics of where money comes from and where money goes. And, and I'll, I'll add something, Jeff, to that, which is I understand businesses better and business owners better from having my own business. And it, you also have to be a, a Jack or Jane of all trades in some ways, too. And so we're, we have to learn marketing. We have to learn sales. We have to learn all of these things and develop these these new skills, which is exciting, but also gives us windows into um, other types of careers that people have. Uh, this is a beautiful segue to my next question, because we do have to learn a lot in your position when you're starting your own practice and having a unique position you haven't had before. So what systems do you need to have in place to run a successful ADR practice? So there are, I would say, four core systems that, that people need to have in place. And so the first one is marketing. People need to know who you are and 
what you are offering and how you're different. We also need to have some kind of sales process or funnel. You know, are you going to do consultations? What's the follow-up process going to look like? Certainly have to have some type of client care or management process. We know that if we take good care of our clients, they'll come back, they'll get referrals. And then I would say you also need to have some type of personnel policies and procedures. You know, how do you want people who work for you to interact with the public? What standards do you want to set? What policies are important to you in the workplace that you develop? Well, we'll get your invoice later, Genesis. So, (laughs) you know. (laughs) And Jeff, what are your thoughts on, on those? I think Genesis is absolutely right. You need to approach it in a systematic way. You're running a company. As I tell newer mediators all the time, you are the chief executive officer of your own career. And you must never forget that, whether you're in a company, independent practice, or anywhere else. So Genesis is right. You need to have a system for generating business. That's the first thing. Where is business going to come from? Staring at the telephone is not going to make it ring any more than it's going to make it levitate. So you got to get <laughs> you got to get out there. And you have to figure out who are the lawyers with whom you want to work. Lawyers are the people who make my phone ring. So I market to lawyers, and then I believe that I have mediator-client relationships both with the lawyers and also with their clients, the underlying parties to the disputes or lawsuits. Just as, to paraphrase one of Peter Drucker's examples, if you're a soap company, your real customer, in a sense, is the supermarkets. Those are the people who buy soap from you. But you also have to be concerned about pleasing the consumers, the people who are taking baths and washing dishes and doing other things with your soap. So you have relationships and obligations to to all of those people. So you can't be all things to all people. There are simply too many lawyers. And the trend towards specialization in the law is growing. So, for example, I do a lot of intellectual property mediations. But simply to say I try to market myself to intellectual property lawyers is not enough because the people who do patent cases are generally very different than the people who do copyright cases or trademark cases. So I have to ask myself, how do I market myself to these people? For me, in-person time is critically important. Somebody once said to me, they can look at your resume, they can see that you went to fancy schools and worked for snazzy law firms or whatever. But until they get a taste of your personality and really come to believe you can get on wavelength with them and their clients and other people in the mediation, they're they're not going to hire you. The analogy this person used was if you buy a box of cereal in the market, you can look at the nutritional panel on the side of the box And it'll give you a lot of information like resume type information, so many grams of this and so many grams of that. That's like where we got our degrees and stuff like that. The one thing the nutritional panel does not tell you is, does it taste good? And you need to give people a taste of you. And because the legal world is so big and so specialized, you have to find those areas where you like and get along with the lawyers, where you have some affinity for the subject matter, and where you can really feel excited about digging in. So 
early in my mediation career, I dabbled in a lot of different areas, and I found myself more naturally attracted to the intellectual property arena, insurance coverage, and professional liability, legal and accounting malpractice. So those are the conferences I go to. Those are the lawyers with whom I try to cultivate relationships. And yes, I do mediations in other areas, whether it's uh, probates or employment or products liability. Sure, mediators are generally capable of carry, of handling a very wide variety of cases, but without some focus and specialization in your own practice, you're going to have a hard time being in front of people consistently enough that they really come to feel you're part of their community and can really trust you. It takes time. It takes time and you can't spread yourself too thin. So that's one system. Then you need a system for following up with those people. I like LinkedIn. You can get on there even if you don't have your own posts. You can comment intelligently and substantively on what other people say. That's a good way to keep your name in front of people. I send out a newsletter from time to time using constant contact. And I try to attend as many in-person events and uh, as Keith Ferrazzi titled his great book, Never Eat Alone. So trying to have lunch, breakfasts and lunches with potential clients on days when I'm not mediating. And sometimes I will admit, I just go to the Starbucks of a big building and a big office building and take a couple of newspapers and my laptop and spend an hour or so there because you never know who you're going to run into and you never know where that'll lead. So Genesis and Jeff, what are you doing tomorrow morning? Coffee? Coffee? <laughs> <laughs> Just, you know, I, I think you bring up a lot of elements that are important in starting your business. You're talking about a branding. We're talking about finding your target audience and mapping out where you're going to find your target audience. So my question in all of this is, how do you start branding yourself? I think you kind of talk, touch on it in terms of being in touch with people, but where do you, where do you find, if you have to think about along your journey, your brand started really coming to, to, to account confirmation with others and with businesses. And now a word from our partners. Next Level Mediation Software is a mediator's best tool for advancing their online dispute resolution practice. It takes into account the psychological attitudes of the disputing parties and helps mediators find the key priorities to negotiate. Based on decision science and an easy-to-use interface, the Next Level Mediation Platform can handle the most complex disputes. Register today at nextlevelmediation.com for your complimentary 30-day trial of the subscription service and enter the code A-B-A-Discount-20 for a 20% discount. Let me just jump in here because I also, certainly I'll talk about the branding, but I also want to follow up on something that Jeff said, which is this, this point that um, people have to know you, like you, and trust you. Uh, in order to hire you. And attorneys are traditionally very risk averse. And we want to know who we can trust with our clients and, and their cases, right? And so people can get to know you and like you and trust you by meeting with you, by having lunch with you, by seeing you at a conference time and time again, by hearing you talk, um, hearing your, your opinions and thoughts about 
um, legal matters or other matters that are that are kind of top of mind for people. And so the, all of that is incredibly important. Um, and then in terms of like building a brand, I think there are a lot of ways to uh, to approach it. And, you know, one is certainly picking um, a focus that's based on things that are interesting to you and which, as Jeff said, you'll have more energy and enthusiasm. Um, another, another part of that is figuring out where are there gaps in the market and where do you fit in the market, right? Are there areas that maybe are being underserved now in terms of mediation or are there emerging opportunities? Can you jump in on those um, and be like that person? And then another another um, point about branding is sometimes it comes to you and differentiating yourself from other people. Like, how are you different? How is your approach different, right? And so sometimes that can be a part of branding. And then lastly, I'll, I'll say is that sometimes there's branding that happens um, based on people's experience with you that you're not necessarily in control of or didn't didn't think would happen. And so um, somehow I've I'm in at least in New York, like a lot of people are sharing my name on lists for um, people who need mediators who can work with people who um, maybe have like are difficult to work with or have personality issues or mental health issues or all of these kinds of things. And that's not something that I've ever marketed for myself. But I guess people who've worked with me have been like putting my name on boards. And so somehow that's become like a part of um, an unofficial brand of mine that, um, you know, I didn't even know existed until the last couple of years. Dealing with so difficult they're... people. That's, I, that's I, I all. Know. <laughs> I know. So... We need to go talk to Bill Eddy about that. So <laughs> that's excellent. Excellent, Genesis. Right that, there. Yes. Yeah. Um, so what are some factors, you know, as an ADR practitioner that needs to be considered when setting your rates? Because I, I'm hearing a lot here. We have a background that you are building, whether you were a past attorney or you're, or you just decided to become an ADR practitioner. As you are considering taking this business on your own, what what considerations do you put into setting your rates? So it's a terrific question, Caroline, because we don't realistically have the kind of resources that Coke and Pepsi have or, uh, you know, big companies to figure out all this market research. When you're first starting as a mediator, your rate is probably zero because the way so many of us have started is by doing free cases through court annexed programs. And it's an important thing to do at the beginning of one's career is, is just to get mediations any way you can. And one easy way, straightforward way to do that is by signing up to volunteer in a free court program. You can, that way you can get some references. You can do a good job for people. And then if somebody says, well, have you ever done an employment mediation? Well, yes, I have. And here are the people. I'll use them as references. Have you ever done a personal injury case involving this or that sort of injury? Why, well, yes, I have. And here are some people who can serve as references on that sort of thing. And as in every other profession, you, I think every other profession does it this way. You start small 
and you build your way up. In Hollywood, where I live, there's the expression, yeah, he was an overnight sensation after 15 <laughs> years of hard work. So, you know, you, you start with the smaller matters and then hopefully people will be satisfied with your work and come back with private matters on a paying basis. And you have to look at the competition. You People have websites by and large. Most people are pretty transparent and put pricing fee information on their website. So you can look around and see in your community, that could be a geographic community, that could be a practice area community, it could be defined a number of ways, but the people to whom you wanna be compared, what are they charging? And I think earlier in people's careers, they will charge on a hourly basis for time. And then at a certain point, I think a lot of people, I know myself included, have switched to a daily rate, that that is, I believe, perceived by the marketplace, at least in the marketplaces where I function, as a sign that you're at a higher point in the marketplace. And that's something that has to be developed and frankly earned over a period of years. Genesis, do you have any contrasting views to this or? Yeah, I definitely have some some points to add and, and thank you for sharing that, Jeff. Um, I mean, when I, when I first started, um, as I mentioned before, I didn't come from a background of charging for my time at all. Um, and so it was very new to me to think about how I would price myself based on my experience, background, all these things. And um, some of it wasn't transferable to the work that I was doing. Um, the, some of the skills were, but some of the subject matter wasn't. Um, and so in the beginning, I did have a difficult time like trying to figure out exactly how much I should charge. And one of the things I did was just to ask people, some, some people that I considered my colleagues, what they were charging um, and kind of base it on that. And I, I think that, you know, if I had done it over again, I would have done a, a more thorough research that Jeff is talking about, like going on people's websites, um, you know, being, being thorough about asking people because in the beginning, I actually lost business because my rates were too low um, mm -hmm. because I was basing it on you know, different, different factors that, um, weren't really one-to-one -one factors for my business. So I would say that now I do hourly and project-based uh, charging and my practice is a little bit different than Jeff's. And so Jeff might do a full day mediation. My mediations tend to be um, a part of a series of a case that might last six months or a year. And those mediations might be three hours long. And the project might include other things like reports or individual calls and things like that. Um, and so I found that the hourly approach has worked for me, or if I'm doing a project-based uh, quote, that it's based on what I think um, of the time it will take for me and my staff to support this, this case. Different kind of cases, Caroline. You know, my cases are typically in litigation. I've got a plaintiff, a defendant, an insurance company, you know, and they generally speaking, I, I sometimes think of it as the legal equivalent of dry cleaning, you know, in by nine, out by five. That's that's what they want. So uh, it's a, a different kind of engagement. And let, let me add one more thing, which is there's also a value-based way of charging, which is kind of what Jeff's referring to when you think about like a daily rate. It's based on time and it's also based on value. And so a value-based rate is like who's benefiting from this work. And I use that more with my programs. 
right? And so it's not just this program is a three-hour program that ended up taking me 10 hours to develop and all of these kinds of things. It's also this program is supposed to go, it's supposed to help 50 people. And so what is the value of, of this work for each of those 50 people? And, and how, do we, how do we use that to think about how to, how to price, um, price the, the service? I mean, those are excellent considerations to have when setting up your your model of pricing. And clearly you have done your research thoroughly, great business plans that were written. Um, I'm sure there were heartaches along the way if we go back to what we talked about again in a love story. So can you share some of those heartaches? What were those trials and tribulations as you were building up to where you are today? Well, while Genesis is thinking, I'll just say, it never stops. <laughs> <laughs> Spoken you know, like a true relationship. <laughs> you know, the, the, the mediators, one thing about the mediator's career, what's the word? It's sort of a picaresque existence. You know, we have cases for, uh, at least in my practice, I have cases for a day at a time. And every time a case ends, I need another one to take its place. And so in my practice, and I think in the practice of most others, if they're really honest about it, there are ups and downs. There are busy months and slow, slower months and busier quarters and slower quarters. And so <clears throat> the effort to uh, to meet new people and to make sure you're top of mind with people, that's an ongoing matter. Uh, I just got married a few months ago and Congratulations, Jeff. Oh, congratulations. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, Liz and I got married in February. And I was I've been reading a lot about, you know, the languages of love and all that. And there was one thing I read that by said, Chapman. You know, you you can't you can't just say I love you on your wedding day and expect that to <laughs> to, to, to do the trick, right? No, it, no, it doesn't do the trick. It doesn't do the trick. <laughs> you have to you constantly have to cultivate. Uh, the the relationship. And so, uh, you know, I've tried different things that simply didn't work. I've had my independent practice for a long time. I was with a large national provider for a couple of years. Uh, I wasn't happy with them, and I don't think they were happy with me, to be honest with you. And so that was a big disappointment, because I thought that would be a big catapult to my career, and it just wasn't. On the micro level, there are little things like Google ads. For a while, I was spending money on Google ads, and that didn't work either. I figured out that the only people, I was getting these bills from Google for people clicking on my ad, and I came to realize that there were only two groups of people who were actually clicking on my ads, and neither one of them were clients. It was basically my competitors and my children. <laughs> that's beautiful jeff you know and there's something to be said there um you know recalling back on my on my business school days it is really realizing where you want to be because at some point after so many courses do you want to work in a nonprofit? Do you want to work in a big agency or do you want to be a self-starter i mean these are the considerations to be successful, hopefully, in, in whatever endeavor you, you choose to be in. And so um, I think that's something that people look at and strive for initially is, 
trying to go through an organization because they will be able to have that model in place and the structure in place uh, makes things a little bit easier, you know, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, because I, I have not been with any of the agencies, but I imagine in some ways it's easier than starting your own practice. Uh, and so it's good to have that realization where, where do I fit best and where will I succeed most? And so thank you so much for sharing and congratulations again, uh, newlywed. And uh, Jenna says, do you have any trials and tribulations? <laughs> I'm pointing to a ring too, and it's an aura ring. So it's okay. not. It's not <laughs> as Jeff category. just pointed to his ring as I said that. So <laughs> right, right, for those who can't and... see us. <laughs> right, right. I just have my tracker ring on. Um so yeah, I do I do have some some thoughts as 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 Jeff was talking and he, he covered a lot of ground, um, and so I'll I'll come at it from a little bit of a different angle. And so w- one thing to consider when you have your own business is that you're you're leading some people and you're often working by yourself. You're not working as a part of a broader organization, and so you need to have um, a support system. It's helpful to have other business owners stuff like that, but you need a support system and. Um, but with mediation as a service, that can be um, that can take out of us emotionally, uh, depending on the type of matter that it is. You also need to develop some kind of system to replenish yourself, whether that's a community, whether that's a process, whatever it is. You need you need to be able to like refill that cup, um, and so that's something that has 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 been a struggle and is still a struggle to figure out exactly what will refill that cup. And then the last thing I'll say is that this is an ongoing struggle, which is how to pick the types of matters that you do or what you put put your attention in. And do is it just based on what you're good at or is it also based on what's good for you, right? And so oh, there are some things that I think that I'm pretty good at, but take a lot out of that cup for me um and so is it is it about adjusting my prices because of what it takes out of the cup or is it maybe that 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 type of case isn't the best fit for me even though I'm a good fit for it and so these are certainly ongoing discussions that we're having with within ourselves and with our colleagues as we're developing growing um and you know leading these businesses those are excellent points. Let me let me add to that, Caroline. Genesis, you mentioned a few minutes ago that you're you've developed a niche in dealing with people with difficult personalities. <laughs> and I had a post on LinkedIn not long ago that uh, you know some people have a no a hole rule in in their businesses. I have no such rule in my practice. <laughs> as, it doesn't seem of, like a bad one to have, though. It's a lot of, well, in mediation, you, know, you have to draw the distinction between bad people or difficult people and people behaving badly or people behaving difficultly under difficult circumstances. Sure. And, and I think that to be successful as a mediator, you do have to be able to deal with people who are under high stress and you have to be able to deal with those people effectively and compassionately, and I, I dare say even lovingly, even though they're not coming at you in a particularly 
loving way. And Genesis is right that that can take a lot out of you emotionally. So you have to do things to take care of yourself as a mediator. I do some exotic stuff, I have acupuncture and uh, uh, all these other health modalities that uh, I enjoy, but also basic things such as, such as just getting enough sleep, eating properly, having enough hydration, going for a walk before you start your mediation, getting some form of exercise in there, all, all those things. Going on a honeymoon. Yeah, all yeah, <laughs> we had a fabulous honeymoon. Thank you. When we do a travel webinar, we'll talk about that. Yeah. But Genesis is is right that you have to you have to think about the uh the emotional wear and tear of dealing with people at their worst in a lot of circumstances. They're under Absolutely. a lot of stress. And and how do you deal, how do you help yourself? Uh, sustain that over a period of years and I, so what are some boundaries that you can that you can take and and parameters you can set to to make it digestible you know i i there, there was a i did a mediation once and it was a short timeline it was for this it was for this divorcing couple and so i ended up the only time we could find was a monday morning and after i finished that at like noon i think we met from like nine to noon I was like, I started my Monday with crying people, <laughs> like, the, like the whole week, oh, still, like yelling and crying people. And that's hard, oh, man. This is a, t this is a tough day. Right. And so now I only do those, those types of things in the afternoons or the evenings. And so sometimes it's also around setting boundaries and knowing yourself and creating systems that work for you. I mean, if you think about it as mediators, your practice is going into a room with angry people are very emotional people. And I, people are listening to this. I wonder if they're thinking, what are they doing? But isn't it, isn't it true in this unexpected theme of a love story? You know, it's a love for helping people, a love of, you know, using skills that, you know, you can utilize to help others. In talking about the continuing love story, Caroline, one aspect is, at least in my practice, is I was drawn to mediation by a deep love of lawyers and law and lawyering. Because in my 15 years as a business and commercial litigator, there were plenty of times when I felt very frustrated and very unhappy in the work. And much of that comes from difficulty in communicating with clients, having uh, good conversations, meaningful conversations about client expectations, making sure that those expectations are reasonable. And the attorney-client relationship is a very complicated thing. And one of the things that I really love about being a mediator and that I think drew me to being a mediator was this love of lawyers and wanting to help them do a better job of representing their clients. And along the way, helping the clients do a better job of making the right decisions under the circumstances. So my heart often goes out to the, the lawyers who are working very hard, getting the best results they can, and wanting to help them and their clients make good decisions and communicate better. Thank you, Jeff. And thank you, Genesis and Jeff, for your time today. 
in this unexpected theme of love again. Um, it is it is beautiful to to see the hard work come to fruition. And I think that's something that you see. And you talk about really important concepts of burnout and then adjusting. I know we didn't talk further in detail about this, but what I heard, if I heard correctly, is that as you consider your boundaries, as you consider your workload, that also means adjusting what your scheduling will look like, maybe even your pricing will look like. And so again, just want to thank you for your valuable time and the lessons learned along your way. And thank you so much for being a part of ABA Resolutions. Thank you so much for having us. Um, this was such a great conversation. And whenever I'm in the same room with Jeff, I, I learn virtual room. I always learn more. Um, so thank you so much, Jeff. And Caroline, thank you so much for leading this great dialogue. Amen. Amen, Genesis. Amen. Thank you, Caroline, so much for inviting me into this forum. And Genesis, you're a wonderful conversation partner. I learn a lot from you as well and your unique insights into the world of mediation and life in general. It's great to support the work of the ABA section of Dispute Resolution. Thank you for the opportunity. Thank you. If you'd like further information on how to begin your practice, Jeff can be contacted by email at jk at jeffkichavin.com. Kichavin spelled K-I-C-H-A V E N or by phone at 310-721-5785. Alternatively, you can reach out to Genesis by visiting her website at fisherlawpractice.nyc. Fisher spelled F I S H E R or by calling her at 917-819-5656. Thank you for visiting Resolutions. We hope you enjoyed this episode.